Welcome back. Welcome back. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you know, when you hear this podcast, uh, I'm not sure, but I will tell you we're pretty excited. We're up over 700 downloads, and that is crazy when you consider JJ and I started rocking this thing August 2nd, right? And if you haven't gone back to listen to the uh, reintroduction of Introduction to Recovery Guy, please go listen to that. Get a sense of what we're all about here and what we're looking to accomplish and a little bit of my story and and how come I can relate to you and hopefully you can relate to me. So no matter what podcast channel you're listening to, uh, please continue to listen. Would you please leave a comment? Would you share this? And would you subscribe? And and if there is a podcast channel that you're listening to that we're not on, let us know so we can get that information to uh, John Barker. And John can then uh, line us up with that, get that connection. Also, feel free anytime to go to recoveryguide.org. I do have 32 video segments that are, that are free for the taking. I've uh, got all 12 steps. I've got another you know, uh, 18 or 19 uh, topical guides. Uh, actually, another 20 guides on area topics and different things uh, that revolve around our living this life of recovery. So without further ado, I got Chaz back in studio for part two. Uh, We dropped off where Chaz knew that something had to change. And if you recall, it was when he was in jail and he looked at his physical self and he knew something had to change. So I'm going to Turn it back over to Chaz, let him say hello, and we're going to talk about what led to his recovery and what that's like moving forward as he uh, gets closer one day at a time to celebrating three years on, uh, it's what, December 16th, right, Chaz? December 26th. December 26th. Thanks for that correction. An extra Christmas gift for you. Buddy. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So uh, let's go back and uh, let's let's discuss, uh, Chaz. What led to your recovery? And let's move forward with some of those things on there with the time we have today. Okay. Um, so what led to my recovery was uh, obviously my first uh, time being in jail. Uh-huh. Um, then, you know, I did the process in jail, going to court, was looking at prison time. Um, super scary for someone that's never been yeah. to jail before. Um, so I asked, you know, I asked for help and I asked the judge, you know, to give me a chance to show him that I can make a change and that I was serious about making a change. Um, he gave me my second chance. Mm -hmm. He, he let me out on jail. He let me out of jail. And then one of the requirements was that I had to go to treatment. Okay. And I was all about it. I didn't care where I had to go or what I had to do. Um, just sign me up. And so I got out of jail, was on house arrest, and I had to start the whole process of going to treatment. Okay. Didn't have a job. I didn't have money. So I had to rely on county funding, uh-huh. um, which is a process in itself. Um, that took two months just to get that ball rolling for so I could get into treatment. Right. Um, and you had to stay clean, of course, and the I had whole to stay time, clean. not to violate. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Which is not easy. No, no, it's not. And and I held myself accountable, and I had myself drug tested oh, good. on a regular basis because okay. I knew myself. I knew that 
uh, if I had the opportunity, I was going to go get high. That's that. That's what addicts do. Mm -hmm. We get high, right? Yeah. So I, I held myself accountable. I did the process of pre-treatment. Mm -hmm. I went to, uh, you know, some groups, group therapy type stuff, and finally was able to start my treatment process at four months sober. Nice. Um, and then that process in IOP took four months, and... Uh, in that four month period, I had a friend that, you know, it reminds me of Bill's story mm -hmm. because I had a friend that I knew from back when I was using and I saw a picture of him on Facebook and I was like, dang, he, he's looking good. You know, what is he doing <laughs> different? You know, like I, I want what he has. Yeah. I want to be, I want to feel that good that and I want to look that good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I sent, reached out to him and I asked him, you know, like, what are you doing different? Like, you look good. You look healthy. And he showed up at my house with a big book. Okay. And he took me to my first meeting. He must have been what we call one of them Bible or mm -hmm. big book thumpers, right? <laughs> he was at the beginning, yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but I'm forever grateful for that yeah. because uh, he took me to my first meeting and, uh you know, I got to experience what AA was all yeah. about. Instead of having this preconceived idea of what I thought AA was that I never tried and never, didn't ever want to try, um, I was finally at a place where I was open-minded to go. Yeah. And he took me to my first meeting. Wow. Open-minded. That's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, often I, one of my first um, uh, jobs or positions uh, in, in treatment and recovery after I got my degree uh, was at a place called Howe House, which is a social model recovery home um, in Victorville, California. And obviously Howe, honesty, open-minded, and willingness. So I'm glad you mentioned open-minded because that's really, doesn't it take that to think maybe there's another way? Absolutely. Yeah. And if I, it it took everything that I went through to get to that point. Yeah. You know, and it sucks that it, it took... 12, 13 years yeah. to get to that point. But if I would have stepped into an AA room any sooner, I wouldn't have stayed. Yeah. So it, it took everything that I had to go through um, to reach the point where I was open-minded and willing yeah. and honest, you yeah. know, and um, I'm forever grateful for the path that, yeah. that led me there, you know, because. Um, yeah. You know, we, we have these bottoms and you do bring up something really interesting is that, um, because we hear from people, people who care from us when when they still hope we would listen to them, they're they're telling us along the way, you need to do something. This path you're on is destruction and we we think that they're the problem where we say they you don't understand what I'm going through and 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 they try to help, they try to help, but little by little they drop off because they know we're not gonna listen to anything they say. So I do appreciate the fact that you say if you if somebody would have dropped you in a meeting right six years into your into your addiction you'd have, you'd have left right away and got high right because i had no at the point i knew i had the knowledge you know yeah and we all know self-knowledge run riot is yeah. destructive and leads nowhere it doesn't it doesn't lead anywhere at all and so but so you had to hit that bottom to say i can't go this way anymore and the only other way is to is to be grateful for that chance. And and I'm so glad that Judge had the wisdom to look into you and say, well, I think there's something different in this guy because obviously there is. And and, and this judge is looking pretty smart today, you know, allowing you and, and many others who have made it, you know, by going through uh, by going through treatment. 
So, so you're now in recovery. Now you're starting to, after that IOP program, and you know you've got a little physical sobriety. So was there part of you that thought, maybe I can do this? Um, I Well, yeah, absolutely. I knew I could do it with AA, yeah. you know, because when I was in treatment, I knew that treatment was um, for discovery and AA was for recovery. Yeah. And I knew that from the very moment I stepped into that room, yeah. you know, and, and I would remember telling my therapist that, you know, I'm going to stay sober in AA. Like, this is good and I'm glad to be here, mm-hmm. but I'm, I don't have it figured out and I need to continue on with working some sort of program sure. after treatment. Uh-huh. And they would, well, why do you want to identify yourself as a, an alcoholic for the rest of your life? I'm well, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go to the grocery store and say, hello, my name's Chaz and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> Unless it's going to get you a good discount. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> but when I'm in a room full of the fellowship, of sure. course, we're all going to identify yeah. because that's what we're there for. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, I knew I could do it with AA. And yeah. e- even though I didn't know what AA was about, I knew that. Um, it was my way of finding that connection. You know, you bring up something interesting because in the preamble of Alcoholics Anonymous, it's Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that we might solve our common problem and to help others to recover from alcoholism. And just like you felt separated and apart when you went to live with your dad and you started to question so many things. And if you haven't listened to episode one with Chaz and hear the story about his growing up, you need to go back and listen to that and it'll help you understand this segment just a little bit better. But you didn't feel like you belonged there uh, using and you began to use more. Now you're in the rooms of recovery and that fellowship and that beginning to feel like you fit in. Can you tell me what that was like when you first started to think, Remember that feeling where it's like, maybe I am home. Maybe I do. For the first time in my life, maybe I belong here. What was that like? It was amazing. You know, I'll never forget the feeling that I felt in my first AA meeting. And and a few more after that of the the connection, not only to the people in there, but mm-hmm. to something greater than me. It, you yeah. know, I felt the presence of my higher power yeah. in the in those rooms in the very beginning. You know, I was really uh, open-minded and scared. Yeah. Um, Fear is a good motivator. Nervous, <laughs> you know, but I saw a bunch of people that were like me that were winners. Wow. You know, that made it, that, that were where I was and have made it to a good standing in life yeah. and they were... Uh, self-sustaining citizens they had good jobs they were happy and and most importantly they were sober now when you say people like you are you talking about relating to the story that they would share about what it used to be like for them and you could identify and then you contrasted that to how you saw their life today i mean people like me that just had something that they were struggling with yeah you know an addiction to alcohol or drugs Uh uh-huh um, you know, we all have different stories and different sure. backgrounds, but yeah. the one thing we have in common is that we uh, don't want to drink or drug again. Yeah. And that's what I mean by people like me. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of times, you know, 
I remember being out there and a guy said, you know, what your real problem is, you're suffering from terminal uniqueness. <laughs> and it's terminal because if you don't stop being unique, it's going to kill you. It is terminal. And he helped me understand that, you know, I'm just getting to know you. And, and, and you know, because our age difference and our backgrounds, there's, there's a lot of differences between you and me. But all the differences between you and me don't add up to the weight of the similarities between you and me. Right. And that's what I want to celebrate with Chaz and others. And 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 do you remember feeling that way that, wow, maybe I'm not different. Maybe I am like these people. And and if I see them well, I can get well. And 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 early on, what did that mean to you in terms of a sense of hope? Oh man. It I don't know, it means the world to me, you know, like uh to have to be in a place where you're hopeless. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, what led me to those rooms to find hope, you know, and hold on to it and not only find it, but fill it. Yeah. Um, is why I kept going forward. Well, I really like that. Touch on that a little bit more because there's a great distinction, Chaz. And I don't know if you know how much wisdom was in that statement, but not only to find it, but and, and when you said that, you actually like you were pulling it toward you almost like taking ownership because so often we see things out there and we sort of touch it, but we never own it. Yeah. So does that make sense? Cause that's what it represented to me when you said that. Yeah. Well, you know, you find hope and you, and to me, when I say you feel it, uh, the only way I can describe that is like the connection to my higher power, yeah. you know, because it, that hope turned into faith. Yeah. And, that faith just made me stronger and uh, it helped me push forward and keep pushing forward and, and to uh, continue on taking this thing one day at a time, you know, and just staying in the moment. Yeah. So, and, and as you saw yourself growing in that area and feeling that hope, as you said, and taking it and, and it grew in your faith. uh, And then you had also mentioned, you saw things demonstrating in people who had been there longer than you, and saw some of those things. And where did that play in terms of increasing your hope and expanding your faith as you saw it exhibited in other people? Um, I'm not sure. I just, I don't know. I just think that, I don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to put into words. Yeah. Well, were there certain people that you gravitated towards as you saw them? And maybe I didn't explain it correctly, but I apologize for that. So people that you would gravitate towards as you saw what you were starting to feel but more developed in them? Um yeah, and who I gravitated towards the most were people with long-term sobriety. Uh-huh. You know, because that's what I wanted. I didn't want your car. I didn't want your house or your wife. Not or, anymore anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I wanted was long-term sobriety, you know? And so I s- surrounded myself around those people because I think it's very important when you're new to the rooms, who you surround yourself with. Yeah. Because who you do surround yourself with, because every room has their own clique, mm-hmm. um, they mold you into your new recovery person. Yeah. And, uh, 
I want to be a good person, yeah. you know, and not everybody, uh, I don't want to get into it too much. But not everyone is. Not everyone is. Yeah. And so the people that, you know, were working good programs that had a good connection with their higher power uh, were had serenity and, and were humble. Those are the people that I want to be around. So with that was because the next thing I want to touch on was when did you know that not only could you, because obviously you demonstrated while you were waiting to get into treatment, you demonstrated that you didn't have to use, right? Even though it might've been fear, didn't want to go back to jail, who cares? You demonstrated that you didn't, it wasn't necessary for you to use, but not using and recovery are two different things because we know a lot of people in the rooms, all they can claim is that they don't drink or use. They're sober in the sense of not being high, but they don't have sobriety, mm-hmm. right? Or they don't have recovery. They're just not using. So when did you transition when you when you realized that you you were becoming that person? Do you remember that? You know what I'm talking about? Um yeah, it's I it's around the time when I stopped working the program to stay sober. And I started working a program because it was the way of life. Yeah. You know, like we were discussing earlier. Uh Um, So it was more about what you were getting, not what you were being kept from. Right. Okay. And just, and it's where I'm at today in life is somewhere where I did not think I was going to be a year ago. Right. You know, and it's beautiful and it's amazing. Um, and it's in result of the program, yeah. you know, a hundred percent. If I wasn't doing what I do today and doing the next right thing and being open and honest, mm-hmm. uh, I would not be where I'm at today. And, uh, that's how I know. Um, that's why I know I don't have to use yeah. again or drink again, yeah. you know, and why I need to just keep pushing forward. You know, and that's great because you do lead us into the, the last area that I want to discuss. And again, I, I really thank you for your time, your vulnerability, and and uh, and and I'm looking forward to becoming more of your friend. Um, so let's talk about what what's Chaz doing today to to continue to build that foundation of recovery. I know, you know, for me, it took me a number of years to be, you know, still be making amends, right? You know, two and a half years, three years, I was making amends because a lot of things we forget, right? So I was making direct amends to people in like five years of recovery, right? Thinking, oh crap, I did this or I did that to this person or man, I never forgot about that or, you know, what what have you. And we go back and we do that. So, so what are some of the things that you're doing to still clear away the wreckage of your past, right? But moving forward to help secure the day so you can secure tomorrow. Okay. Um, Well, I mean, obviously the things I'm doing today to stay sober and to work a good program is I'll, I'll get with the basics, you know, which Mm -hmm. any, um, anyone that's early in recovery should do. And that's have a routine, right? Okay. You know, you get up, you go to work, uh, you have set meetings like I do. I have set meetings that I go to and I do not miss those meetings and they're in my schedule and everyone that is in my life that loves me and cares about me knows that these things happen on these days and at these times and Chaz isn't going to miss them. Um, and you know, I work with other alcoholics and I have a great sponsor. 
Um, and the sponsor thing, you know, the recovery thing is always, it's changing and you grow, you know, like I was at one point when I first came to the program and I had a sponsor and then, you know, I got to a place where I was like, my recovery needs to grow more. Yeah. I got a new sponsor mm-hmm. and we worked the steps again, yeah. you know, and I am forever grateful for that sponsor. Cause he, he taught me a lot about uh, getting through the steps and I reached a point where I felt like my recovery needed to grow more. Yeah. And I have uh, another sponsor that is amazing, you know, and he's, he's teaching me to be a better me. Yeah. And, uh, I love that. I love the serenity that he has and the humbleness that he shows. And, um, you know, and so with that, you know, it, it trickles down into my sponsoring with the people I sponsor. Mm -hmm. Um, and it takes it to a whole nother level, you know, and, and I love working with, uh, other alcoholics and, um, I'm on the board at the South Davis recovery club as the activities chair, um, you know, so super involved in, in being of service. Those are all important things that I think for me that it takes to stay sober and to get outside of self. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and selfishness and self-centeredness. We think this is the root of all of our problems. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And that's great. Cause twice you mentioned my favorite word, which is service. Um, I had relapsed, uh, after being, uh, sober 72 days and, and I came back to the program and, and started chatting with my sponsor. And I said, you know, what's, what's the key? What, what am I missing? And he quite honestly told me, he said, Robert, I've never known anyone to relapse who was actively and sincerely involved in service. You want to stay sober forever? Go serve. And to this day, 33 and a half years later, I still serve. I have my credentials to go into prisons. I go into treatment centers. I... I do this podcast, I'm active on Instagram, I have my website, I'm always looking for the opportunity, you know, and I'm so glad that you mentioned service because that's ingrained in the 12 steps. That's our spiritual obligation, our return, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So when you look at service, how, you know, I mean, the X's and O's and the things that you do are all great and going to meetings and reading the big book and praying, but without service, would it, how much would you be missing and what kind of what do you get from that um you know it just feels good to be of service you know like we did uh my biggest service uh activity that that i've done yet was we did a a barbecue Uh it's a barbecue and all the a's helen on aa and alateen oh nice um and it was you know it was stressful being of service and putting this thing together and finding people that that were also willing to do service, you uh-huh. know, and I learned in that process that it wasn't me doing anything, you know, it was because of the fellowship that we all came together. We all invested our time and our resources to make this thing happen. Um, and it was such a good feeling when it was going and it was all done and said, and everyone had such a good time, you know, yeah. and you can't, you, there's nothing that really compares to that, you know, and, and there's nothing that compares to the fellowship coming together and making something like that happen. You know, it's, it's really great. So you've gone from this person who felt so empty and so hollow 
and of such low value that you were almost compelled to use to the point you became addicted to this person who's clean and sober going on three badass years who now finds his most value in serving others because you know you have something to give. Absolutely. Isn't that a crazy transition? Yeah. But that's what recovery is, isn't it? It is. You know, going from what I could say broken to whole and, and going from a person who, you know, I would tell people that I, I was, I came from nothing. I was convinced I was always going to be a nothing. I was a nothing, convinced I was always going to be a nothing. And drinking and using made me feel like an almost. Yeah. Now in sobriety, again, my middle name is Moore, right? There's no more settling because I know that I can become anyone and do anything, providing my motives are right. And service is the foundation to that. So I'm so glad that you have found service as a cornerstone of your recovery. And I'll tell you, Chaz, what my sponsor told me, and I'll reiterate it. I've never met a person in my 33 and a half years who is actively involved in service who has relapsed. And I have friends who were there when I got there. There's Buddy, there's Steve, there's slow will. There's there there's Eddie, right? Uh, there is um, uh, there's Rick. There's Texas Mike. Just countless people with 40, 45. My sponsor Jack passed away in January. God rest his soul. With forty four years of personal recovery, right? Everyone I know who was there when I got there are still serving actively today in and out of the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous in some form or another. It is totally mind-blowing. And so you know what that tells me? Keep serving, man. You know, Because if you want what we have and are willing to go to any lengths to get it, then you are ready to take these simple certain steps. steps. That's right. And, And that's what we want to do. Take the certain steps, service, go to meetings, get a sponsor. So all those things you touched on are like the ABCs of long-term sobriety. So it doesn't surprise me at all that you've had this success. And it won't surprise me when I'm at your meeting, and I will be at the meeting on December 26th to see you take, I wouldn't miss it for the world, man. So it's been a pleasure having you with us. Folks, um, I hope you don't miss recovery, whether you're new or relatively new to the program. I hope you listen to what Chaz is saying because you know, sometimes you hear me and I've been around for a while, Maybe my message gets old or you say it's easy for you because you've been doing it forever. Hey, this cat has been doing it two and a half years, almost three years. And look where he's gone and the things he's accomplished. And he came from a person who was just as helpless and hopeless as all of us when we get here. Hey, my name is Robert. I'm the recovery guy. Thank you for joining us today with this special broadcast. Remember, on any of the podcast channels, I want you to listen, subscribe, comment, share, and don't forget to go visit me at recoveryguy.org. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Robert. I am the Recovery Guy. I was trying to do everything.